from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Work and Life on Business Radio. Welcome to Work and Life. So glad you're here to join us as we have another conversation, as we do every week, on all those things related to work and the rest of your life, your family, people you live with, your community, our society, your role as a citizen. And then, of course, there is you as an individual, your mind, your body, your spirit. And it's really in that last category that we're going to be focusing today on a show I'm super excited about. I am your host, Stu Friedman. I'm the founding director of the Wharton School's Work-Life Integration Project and the Wharton Leadership Program. I run a management consulting, coaching, and training company called Total Leadership. Visit totalleadership.org. You can find out all about these tools, ideas, services, videos, free book chapters that we offer uh, to help people and organizations create greater harmony among the different parts of their lives and improve performance in them. It can be done. It must be done. New episodes of this show premiere Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 132, and you can follow us on Twitter at SXM Business, as well as me at Stu Friedman. Well, if you've gained weight over the past few months because of what some people are calling the quarantine 15, well, that, there's a lot of people that are experiencing that. Uh, you know, it's, it's in some ways more difficult these days to make good food choices when you're tired, when you're stressed out. Um, there's so much about our mental status and the food we eat that we need to learn more about. And today's guest uh, has some uh, wisdom based on a, a really remarkable combination of, of expertise uh, to help us understand the connection between food and mental health and our performance in the different parts of our lives. I am delighted to welcome Dr. Uma Naidu to the program. That's N-A-I-D-O-O. Dr. Uma, as she prefers to be called, is the author of a wonderful new book, really practical science on things that you will be surprised to learn. It's called, This Is Your Brain on Food, an indispensable guide to the surprising foods that fight depression, PTSD, ADHD, anxiety, OCD, and more. Dr. Naidu, Dr. Uma, welcome to Work in Life. Thank you so much, Stu. I'm really happy to be here. It's great to have you here. Let me just say a little bit more about you to our listeners before we dive into the conversation. Dr. Naidu is regarded nationally and internationally as a pioneer in the field of nutritional psychiatry having founded the first U.S. hospital-based clinical service in this area. She serves as the Director of Nutritional and Lifestyle Psychiatry at Mass General and is on the faculty at Harvard Medical School. I'm, I'm reading her bio here, and it says Dr. Naidu, so I'm getting confused. Do I call you Dr. Naidu, Dr. Uma? I'm going to call you Dr. Uma in the, in the conversation. Let me just finish <laughs> the, brief, the brief bio of your introduction, which could take a lot longer. There's so much here. 
She graduated from the Cambridge School of Culinary Arts as a professional chef and was awarded her culinary school's most coveted award, the M.K. Fisher Award for Innovation. We're going to have to learn more about what that's about, innovation in the culinary arts. Uh, it's really a remarkable co uh, combination of uh, credentials that you have um, achieved uh, as a nutritional psychiatrist, a psychiatrist on the faculty at, at Harvard's medical school and director of the nutritional and lifestyle psychiatry program. Uh, I guess you learned that it wasn't enough to tell people what to eat. You had to become a professional chef to do that. Uh, so can't wait to learn more about what you have discovered that is of interest to our listeners and most importantly to me. Dr. Uma, so glad you're here. Thank you, Stu. I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate the invitation. Well, um, you know, your book was written not with the pandemic in mind, right? Mm -hmm. But I, my guess is that it's hitting at just the right moment as uh, so many people are feeling depressed and anxious now because of, oh my gosh, where do I begin? Yeah. Not just job insecurity and potential income mm -hmm. loss, but uncertainty about the future, about children's schooling, um, overarching fears about, about health, uh, mm -hmm. about the political uh, upheavals and the social mm -hmm. upheavals and the reckoning of our nation's uh, history about racial injustice, um, mm -hmm. the climate uh, in, in, in its most fragile state during, you know, during our time, during, during human history. Uh, what's not to be anxious and depressed about these days? And how do we hold on to hope for a better tomorrow, which of course, as leaders, we must, we must do for ourselves, our families, our communities, our, our work. So many people stuck at home can't go out to eat quite easily. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and so what, what's the big idea in uh, This Is Your Brain on Food about food, nutrition, diet? What would you say is the most compelling idea in this book that speaks to our present fraught yeah. moment? Yeah, I think that's a great question uh, because you're absolutely right. It wasn't written during the pandemic, but it has, has actually become a really useful guide for people who are struggling, as you said at the, um, at, in your introduction with, you know, jokingly calling it the quarantine 15, but in truth, um, I've heard it called the COVID-19 pounds. I've heard it called so many things, but people are struggling with weight, with um, eating a different diet, um, with, with not being used to preparing as many meals at home, having all their families at home, um, which on the one hand they may enjoy, but after a while it, it, it can become difficult to manage so many different meals. Um, so That's the message- for sure. We had our kids living here for <laughs> right. a, a month. Uh, so we were a you know, three generational family, <laughs> uh, not accustomed to that for an extended period. And food, food supply and preparation became like an important matter. <laughs> day-to-day-to-day-to-day basis. Exactly. And, and some, absolutely, Stu, and some families have different diets, you know, and right. um, different family members have different diets. And, and so people have really, it's, it's, it's like struggling on a multifactorial level. And where the book has fitted into this new picture mm -hmm. is that people have really found it to be a useful guide 
um, and I hope we'll continue to feel that way because one thing we can control in this era of uncertainty, which by the way was shown in a survey done by the American Psychiatric Association pretty early in the pandemic, that uh, people were most concerned about the uncertainty. Um, and that hasn't changed for, for, for us. So no, it, it, make, you know, it makes sense that we try to address that in other ways. And the one thing we can control, we can't control lockdown, we can't control when, when or whether we can eat in a restaurant, what's closed and what's not, uh, whether to wear a mask or not. I mean, these are, these are important parts of how we're living these days, but we can't control what we eat. And when you do understand that what you eat does impact your mental well-being, I think that can be a powerful tool to have in your toolkit during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can, on any given day, at a 24-hour period... More you... cake is what you're saying. <laughs> you can cake. Right, <laughs> okay, so what else do you have to tell us other than more cake? More cake. <laughs> um, so in a 24-hour period, research has shown that, you know, the choice we make changes our gut bacteria or changes yes. the microbes in our gut. And where that is significant to you is that, you know, when you, when you choose the cake, um, and, but when you choose the cake on every night of the week, that, that sets up a pattern. But in that 24-hour period of having that first slice of cake or whatever it is, the food, you might, instead of cake, have a healthier uh, option. But either, either lane that you choose starts to change your gut microbes. And they can, as I say to people, they can change in a good way and help your um, microbes thrive. And a happy gut is therefore a happy mood. Or you can choose to cake every day and the microbes get overtaken by the bad bugs in the gut. And choose that what every day? Up. I'm sorry, I, I missed that. Can you, you could choose cake. Yeah. Every day, and of course, know. I was being facetious about. I I, I completely you, know that. You but knew that. I, I knew that. But but by way of example, say yeah. the person who say make choosing um, fast foods every day, or you know a sugary a dessert that's rich in added sugars and the wrong types of ingredients every day, is also then making a choice that impact those gut microbes. And when the bad microbes take over the good microbes, is when you start to get set up for things like inflammation in the gut and other um, and other things so so that's that's where those cho those choices uh, so, become important so the big idea is just to be more mindful more conscious of of your 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 gut health and that you can affect it in significant ways based that, on what you cook what you take into your into your body body that you could that you i think uh, i like how you're summarizing it because it is actually i think it's two parts it's one thing you control it Yes. And you can, and by controlling it, you can choose to feel emotionally fortified and healthier, or you can actually go down, you know, an unfortunate sort of rabbit hole of making poor food choices, which I know I'm not saying it's easy for any one of us. I, I think it's, it's been difficult, but if you do, and if you find yourself going down that direction, it might be time to reset, reframe, and kind of get your back up, yourself back on track because it is definitely going to affect your brain health and your emotional well-being. Can you say just briefly what that connection is? I, I, I mean, I know sure. this is all second nature to you, but if you can sure. just step back and at a very simple level explain the relationship between you know, the, the microbes in your, in your sure. gut, which are as complex a system as the brain, as I understand it. Exactly. Uh, so. and, and, and your, 
your mental health? What's the, mm-hmm. what's the basic c- connection Make there? Sure. And, th- and then I want to get into um, you know, some, some guides for action that, sure. that are generally applicable. And, and then in the second mm-hmm. half, I've got some specific questions about mm-hmm. my own dietary needs and interests. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, sort of kidding there, but not really. <laughs> Um, so the, the one thing, the first thing I would say is that the, uh, like, like you alluded to, the uh, gut is sometimes called the second brain. And the reason is that the cells that give rise to the gut and the brain are actually the same when we are a, a developing embryo. The same cells uh, lead to both those organs being formed. And then oh, during wow. life, mm-hmm. those two organs are connected by the 10th cranial nerve called the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve, I like to call or have people think about as a two-way superhighway that uh, is active all the time, bidirectional, and is communicating signals between the brain and the gut and the gut and the brain. Where this becomes important is in, in several different ways. One, the, um, the, the serotonin is called, you know, frequently called the happiness hormone, but more than 90% of serotonin receptors are for, found in the gut. So that's important to understand in terms of where food is being digested, as well as the fact that then the serotonin receptors are located there. Um, and another part that is especially important for now is to understand that a large component of our immune system is also in the gut. So, you know, the, the gut is this environment uh, where there are approximately 39 trillion microbes, different types, and they reside there. They can either be the army that works for us or against us. And by feeding them the right way um, with different foods that we can talk about, you fortify them and strengthen them, and then they really work actively for you. But, but uh, poor dietary choices, unfortunately, like I said earlier, make the other bugs also living in the gut, which are not really helping you, but could potentially harm you, it makes them stronger. So um, when they take over the good microbes in the gut and that environment, over time, things like inflammation in the gut get set up. And ultimately, inflammation in the gut, one of the things it can lead to is inflammation in the brain, which can then set up the you know, just poor mental well-being in different conditions. Mm -hmm. And in the book, I think that you've looked at, I I break it down into the different disorders and foods and things like that. So this Mm -hmm. is just a general kind of outline of how it happens. All right. Let let me uh, just remind listeners, this is Work and Life on Business Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 132. I'm your host, Stu Friedman. And my guest today is Dr. Uma Naidu. Naidu. Uh, She's the author of This Is Your Brain on Food, A Practical Guide it's really indispensable, as as it says on the cover. I, f- I found this to be true as I've as I'm learning about. Uh, there's so much to know about the connection between what you eat and your mental health. Uh, it affects really the full range of of mental health and mental illness uh, outcomes that that we care about. It's amazing to me that this isn't standard educational material for every ninth grader or whatever grade you think is best for people to learn this stuff in like America, if not the world, like, but putting that aside, uh, let's, let's, let's get further into some of the basics that you cover in the book. Um, Because anyone can gain greater control over their uh, food, their mental health through, through their diet. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is, that is a, an important 
idea in these days when so much feels out of control. Mm-hmm. So where do, where do you recommend people begin? And then, sure. you know, then we'll get into what some of the difficulties are. In, sure. In- I, what, where, where I think people can begin right now in today's Jew is to think to themselves, you know, what's, what's the most difficult um, poor eating habit that they might have picked up over the pandemic? So let's just start there. And for someone, it might be uh, a bag of pretzels that they're eating or, or that they've taken to trying more convenient, you know, like we talked about, it's a lot of meals to prepare at home, um, a lot of folks at home, and just trying to keep up with work life and, and making sure the family has meals can be challenging. So maybe you know, we've turned to more processed foods. And we know that the ingredients, the colorants, the dyes, the stabilizers and processed foods are not good for the gut. They're not good for the brain. So if it's, think about the one habit that you're struggling with and try to see if that's something you can maybe change around. So there's some basic, once you've identified that, there's some really basic brain food pillars that I like to talk about. Brain food um, what, sorry? Brain food pillars, pillars. Pillars, okay. Pillars. So it's, it's yes. other words, doing, doing these few things, they might seem simple, but they actually start to build back your better brain health just by the ingredients that you'll be consuming. And the first one is, you've heard it before, it's eat the rainbow. So the variety and abundance of fiber-rich foods and colorful fruits and vegetables in your diet really make a difference because they feed back rich polyphenols and antioxidants to your brain. So I like to challenge people to say, you know, the more colors of fruits and vegetables that you're eating in a day or a week are really going to help you. Um, The second thing I talk about, I'm, you know, like, like to rhyme and make it fun for people. So it's the greener, the better. And you might roll your eyes when you hear your doctors talk about leafy greens, but actually the basis of- I love leafy greens. I never roll my eyes when I hear that. (laughs) some of my patients, some, some people do. So I'm glad you What that is you wrong with them. leafy greens? I don't understand people who don't understand salad, it's, but please exa- continue. Exactly. I, me too. Uh, I love them too. And, you know, it turns out that the folate, uh, which is vitamin B9 in, in leafy greens, uh, is, is very powerful in the brain, as well as other multiple nutrients in the leafy greens. But as let's well just as... go back to the rainbow for a second, please, yeah, Dr. Uma. So it's, yeah. it's fiber, colorful colorful foods? So, so the first one, Stu, was just eat the rainbow, but I was explaining why, why it was important. So the first one is eat the rainbow, and the second one is the greener, the better. Okay. The greener, the better. Eat the and rainbow. It, exactly. And then I'd like to talk about what I mentioned earlier, which is happy gut, happy mood. And, and why? Because we explained the gut-brain connection. Mm-hmm. Um, the other principle I like to talk to people about, because we tend to get into these extremes of dieting, you know, one person says, eat this, don't eat that. It's eat more this, you know, give up that. I like to talk about balance being the golden rule. So if you generally don't have food allergies, food intolerances, or problems with any medical condition, and you can eat a regular diet, then finding the balance between the fruit that you eat, the vegetables that you chew, if you, um, you know, the lean seafoods or the, the lean, pro- the, I mean, the seafoods or the lean proteins that you eat, finding that balance for yourself is really important. Mm-hmm. I prefer not for people to eliminate foods unless they're struggling with one of the conditions that I've described where we've looked at foods that they should avoid. But generally, it's a whole foods healthy diet. Mm-hmm. And, and then the, the fifth thing I like for people to know is things that, things that I spoke about already, gut inflammation really feeds back to brain inflammation. So when you start to eat poorly and your gut 
gets kind of out, out of whack. That's called dysbiosis when it's, there's an imbalance in your gut. And what then, are the main causes? Let me just jump in and just, just to clarify what might be obvious to many people, sure, but sure. I think would be helpful to just denote quickly. What, what are the main sources of gut inflammation sure. and, and the generation and propagation of bad microbes? Sure. So it's, it, it goes back to foods that we generally know are not the best for us, but it turns out that they actually have connections to brain health and gut, gut bacteria. The first one is added sugars. Um, added sugars have actually been linked to studies of depression, worsening anxiety, several other conditions, but also what tends to happen, think about the way I like to explain it is think about a time when you know you might have had um, a candy bar that you were craving during the pandemic and you enjoyed it and, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I don't understand this doctor. I feel good when I eat it. It's actually true. You do feel good because foods that are rich in simple carbohydrates, uh, such as those candy bars, but other things like potatoes, pastas, store-bought pastries, pretzels, those types of things, they increase the insulin levels in, in your body. And this allows more tryptophan, which is a building block for serotonin to enter the brain. And so it does get converted to serotonin. And you do actually have about 15 to 30 minutes later, you have a good feeling when you eat that candy bar or, or, or whatever it was that you chose. The problem is the long-term effect. And the problem is that these types of foods can actually become addictive because we know from studies that where sugar acts in the brain, Cocaine also acts and through the same um, neurochemicals. So we know that, that things like added sugar have the potential to have that impact on us. Mm. And the long-term effect of those, those times when you have an elevated blood sugar level and you've eaten that type of food is that it becomes associated with things like brain atrophy and dementia over time. So am I saying if you eat sugar that you will get dementia? No, but I am saying that by making those food choices, you could, you could ultimately have some not so cool brain effects over time. Mm -hmm. And making those choices and trying to replace those simple carbohydrates and candy bars, I just happen to pick on that food at this moment, but those types of choices are what set you up for um, really ultimately problems, problems with your mental well-being. Um, so, so there are several more foods that you know we we ask we, we suggest that we try people try to stay away from or cut back on, but added sugars is one of them. Added sugars. What are the other main? So the other ones are things like want to avoid. Sure, pro processed foods is another big category because they just contain processed ingredients, ultra processed um, ingredients, stabilizers, colorants, dyes. Tons, you know, whenever you see a food label but I like to say to people and you don't recognize the names on the food label and you can't pronounce them. That's usually a, a good tip for you to stay away. But it says something like, you know, this has oatmeal in it. Um, that's, that's a good sign because you kind of know what the ingredient is. So that th those foods tend to be gut disruptors and um, ultimately feedback to uh, that's that circle or cycle of inflammation as well. So where does one begin uh, in terms of getting a sense of control, uh, mm -hmm. especially in these trying times, especially when, you know, food supplies are, mm -hmm. well, I guess, I don't know uh, the extent to which they are, are limited, but, you know, the, the demand to prepare your own food, there, mm -hmm. there are costs and benefits to that. Maybe you could address that briefly before we go to our, our break. Sure. Um, 
are, are you an advocate for making your own food or is all of what you're recommending uh, available to those people who don't know a spoon from a fork? Absolutely. So no, I think, I think that, um, you know, I started off life cooking, starting to cook very late. So I understand that, that everyone starts at a different baseline. I, I, I would say that there's some easy tips um, some healthy sources of protein and um, legumes can be obtained inexpensively uh, in, in canned goods. Uh, just make sure they're low sodium or try when you can to get an organic brand. But those are great sources of inexpensive proteins and fiber, which is very important for the gut. Another good and easy trick are things like frozen vegetables or fruit. You know, frozen wild blueberries have twice the amount of antioxidants. They're relatively inexpensive. They're frozen. You don't have to worry about them perishing. And they're easy to use. And vegetables and fruit in this country are flash frozen. So you, unless there's added sauce, sodium, syrup, or sugar, you're pretty okay. And if there's a packet of sauce, just don't use it. So those are Say easy ways. Is a packet of what? If Say there's it. a little packet of sauce in it, you can just, you don't have to use ah. that. So you, um, are you saying that frozen blueberries have... Uh, frozen wild blueberries have twice the amount of antioxidants. As, as the not- As frozen? just a regular, as a regular one. Really? As regular, yeah. Wow. So, so you can, so... Um, so, so it, I, I, it's not so much that they're frozen. It's just that the wild blueberries have that. And, and when they're frozen, it's, it, they, quite often you can find them frozen. Yeah, so it's just yeah. a little good tip for people to know that, you know, you don't have to prepare the entire meal from scratch. But if you could use some things like that and, um, you know, maybe add vet by adding vegetables to your meal, that's a really good, good thing. Adding lentils or whole grains that you don't have to boil from scratch and pressure cook and things like that are good ideas because of the nutrients that they bring to your meals. I'm not saying, you know, you have to cook a souffle every night, um, but I am saying, you know, if you can start, start with some small building blocks, like even maybe it's a salad and, and roasting some chicken breast on the side with that, or some baked salmon, if that's what you eat. But, you know, it, it could be as simple as that. Um, starting where you can, because each person's lifestyle and starting point is different. Yes. And also, don't be hard on yourself. This has been a hard time for everyone. And, let's, you know, let's pick some, up on that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's much more to say about how food can help us now. Uh, this is a, a good start. I have a number of other questions I want to get to after this short break. Please don't go away. When we come back, I'll be continuing my conversation with Dr. Uma Naidu about her new book. It's called This Is Your Brain on Food. Really helpful advice on how to use your diet to keep your mental health. I am Stu Friedman, and this is Work and Life on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. We'll be right back. You're listening to Work and Life on Business Radio. Hey, welcome back to Work and Life. I'm really glad you're here. I'm Stu Friedman, your host, and my guest today, described by Michelin-starred chef David Boulay as the world's first triple threat in the food and medicine space. She's a Harvard board-certified psychiatrist, professional chef, and a trained nutrition specialist. Wouldn't you like to be able to talk to Dr. Uma every day? I would. It's Dr. Uma Naidu. She's the author of This Is Your Brain on Food, An Indispensable Guide to the Surprising Foods that Fight Depression, PTSD, ADHD, Anxiety, OCD, and More. 
I've got a million questions, but only another 20 or so minutes to ask a few. Let's get right back to it, Dr. Uma. So glad you're here today. I am too. Um, so starting where you are, let's say more about that. We talked a little bit about that in the first part of the show. Um, what are you finding that people uh, need to do to kind of just step back from where they are now deep into pandemic times? I think it's important to understand that we've gotten into some of these habits like doing a lot of baking and baking comfort foods, baking bread. I hear this a lot. Um, part of it was the actual pandemic, but also when we're stressed, our brain becomes hypersensitive to the rewards of tasty, high fat and high sugar foods. So it's also a way to keep your kids you know, from having to bother you, right? Here, have a piece of cake and go back to your virtual schooling and stop bothering me. I've got to work. I think that speaks to the stress. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, for many different reasons, people have, have done more of this and I'm hearing it all the time. I think the first thing is just take a moment to realize, you know, there's, there's actual brain science behind some of this and behind some of the behaviors that we've gotten into and find a place that you can move yourself forward today. You know, if it's, if it's that you have been baking a lot of bread or, or you've been eating a ton of candy, which, whatever it is that's, your, that's, that, that's been difficult for you. What is the path forward? It's about building in some healthy habits and trying to slowly let go of the ones we've, we've gravitated to. And some of those healthy habits are the pillars we talked about. Simple things like building in those leafy greens, um, adding things like pre and probiotic foods to your diet is another simple, straightforward one that actually helps your gut and it speaks to that point, happy gut is a happy mood. Can you because, give us an example of a couple of those pre yes. and probiotics that are easily accessible and also taste good? Yes. So prebiotics are pretty simple. They're the allium family, garlic, onions, leeks, and many others. Um, those are things that we, you know, cook with or add to the various foods every day. And then probiotics can be a supplement, but I'd rather speak about what they are in fermented foods. Now, you know, you might see probiotics in dairy or non-dairy yogurt, sort of live active cultures bring back good bugs to your gut. And fermented foods like miso, kimchi, kefir, um, sauerkraut, tempeh, things like that bring back other cultures to your gut. So the fermented foods are a good one for you too. Mm -hmm. Those really help to fortify those microbes in the gut and they help to balance things out by, by providing the right nutrients. And ultimately, um, a good gut balance is also going to even out how you're feeling emotionally. So there's another pretty straightforward, easy thing that you could start. Now, and with, what about with, for the many people who have irritable bowel syndrome or some other form of, you know, disorder in their gut that, right. you know, they can't, they can't process the mm -hmm. aliments and the, the probiotics without, mm -hmm. you know, causing all kinds of, you know, heartache and stomach ache. Sure, what, that, what's so, the alternative for them? Right. So, so asking I, for a friend. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> you make me laugh too. So, <laughs> so, um, so, so I just, I'm listing, I mean, you know, I'm listing a couple of things here, but the truth is there are more uh, fermented foods, which are good for you. Um, and there are definitely more prebiotic foods that you can eat. You know, prebiotic foods could be beans, oats, um, certain berries, uh, dandelion greens, you love greens, um, or your friend may, might love greens, asparagus, Jerusalem artichokes, and, and I did mention leeks earlier. So there, so there are a lot more pro prebiotic foods.
principles. It's more the principle of kind of building in these foods, which help your gut. And just a simple thing. I think a lot of people who can tolerate dairy or even non-dairy yogurts can go and get a plain, uh, plain yogurt and add some frozen blueberries to that and some cinnamon as just a, a good way to start breakfast tomorrow. Um, so those are, you know, I, th- I think almost principles of things that we can start to do for ourselves, for our whole family. Okay. So my, my start of the day is mm-hmm. um, oatmeal yeah. that That's I cook, you know, it's quick good cooking, uh, yeah. rolled uh, steel oats, mm-hmm. um, blueberries, mm-hmm. And cinnamon and nutmeg with the banana. I think you're doing great. Um, so that you know, takes me through like most of the day. It, it's a it, well, it's a, it's a healthy whole grain. You know, you're adding some servings of fruit to that. Those are good options. Yeah. Um, you, um, I, I think the only time to worry about bananas because it's a high glycemic fruit. You do, do not appear to have that issue. Is if someone's you know uh, worried about their weight or has some problems with their blood sugar or insulin resistance, then you go for the lower glycemic fruit like the blueberries. But I I like that you're choosing that. And I would add one hack to that. I would say, why not, if if you don't mind the color, add uh, a pinch of black pepper with a a quarter teaspoon of turmeric to when you're making your oats, because that uh, turmeric with a pinch of black pepper um, actually gets activated. Black pepper activates the active ingredient in turmeric, which hits the high notes on many brain conditions, including depression, anxiety. It helps cognition. So it's an easy thing that you can, you can do um, to whether you make a chia pudding, that's one of my favorite breakfasts, or oatmeal, uh, pretty easy to do. And if you don't cook with turmeric, you can add it to a soup, smoothie, or a tea as well. I put chia in the, in the cereal as well. Great. Excellent. So that's a great source of plant-based um, short-chain omega-3s. And right. I hope listeners that you're finding this to be of interest. Uh, that I'm talking about what I have for breakfast, but really that's what we're talking about here is gaining a, a greater sense of understanding about what, what good foods give you a good start for the day and keep you, keep you moving. Um, wh- where do you find Dr. Uma that parents who have their kids at home need to focus their attention given you know the limited yeah. uh strength that they have these days oh absolutely massive right. support that they need to to get through working from home while living sure. at work sure. so some tips that i have around meal planning and how we kind of prepare for the week you know if a mom's a nurse and her day off is wednesday um you know that would be um, that would be the day that she does her meal preparation and maybe gets her supermarketing done, um, or maybe the dad does it, whoever it is. But meal planning is a very important part of this because that helps you to make sure you have some fresh, healthy foods at home or frozen, but I don't mean processed foods, which is what we're trying to slowly move away from. So meal planning is one. The second thing is making... Um, so, you know, by meal planning, you could make over, overnight oats and chia pudding for the whole week in batches and have it in the fridge that the kids or whoever's, whichever ages of children or family members you have at home, um, that they can, they can eat it. And you have the frozen blueberries in the freezer, um, you know, and some chopped uh, nuts or chia, um, chia seeds on the side, all, all good options. The second is for meal preparation, you know, maybe think about, Um, some set meals you can have during the week and then rotate them. Some simple um, things to do are 
uh, you know, going back to that leafy green salad, adding as many colors of fruits and vegetables. But on your meal preparation day, you can chop all of these up and have them in little batches in your fridge and then just assemble the salad for the day that your family is eating it and have some, you know, if you have, um, if you eat chicken or if you eat turkey, maybe some roasted um, chicken breasts uh, 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 on the side. And another, a third hack is um, just to do your, do sheet pan meals. So I like to talk to people about a half sheet pan, throw on a piece of um, parchment paper and do your roasted vegetables and whichever protein you, you like on that and add spices that you like. That's a quick, easy meal. Parchment paper makes, makes for easy cleanup. The whole family can eat it. And, you know, someone only eats vegetables, they eat the vegetable portion and you add in some proteins like chickpeas to it. Um, so these are, these are things which, you know, I think that we can, we can start with. Um, again, these are basic whole foods, healthy meals mm-hmm. and, um, and just a way to, to get dinner on the table in a quick and easy way and not have to spend hours doing it. Let me remind listeners, this is Work and Life. So glad you're listening to our show this week. We're on business radio here on Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Stu Friedman. And today I'm speaking with Dr. Uma Naidu. She's the author of This Is Your Brain on Food. And we're getting all kinds of really useful tips on how to eat healthy um, and 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 what to avoid and how to gain a greater sense of control. Now there's a gajillion books written about food and diet because everybody needs to be smarter about it. What is it about this is your brain on food that you see as a distinctive contribution uh, to the literature on food health? I think that many people do know that um, when they speak to their doctors, they might share that they have a family history of diabetes or that they need to eat differently for an elevated cholesterol. But no one's talking to their doctors, but really none of us are putting together the fact that how we eat can impact our emotional health. And what I try to do in the book is share the most recent nutritional science we have, and it gets changed and updated all the time around the different mental health conditions um, and the foods that we know either worsen those conditions. So those fall into the list at the end of each chapter of foods to avoid or the foods to embrace, which is the foods that actually have been shown in research to help those conditions. That being said, I will also say that not everyone fits into the box of a certain DSM-5 diagnosis. And many people are just not feeling good at a particular point and may or may not need a prescription. I, I am a prescribing doctor, so I still see individuals who need medication. I'm not against them, but some people want a different way to feel better or an additional way and food can fulfill that. It can also fulfill what we talked about throughout this conversation, which is someone not feeling great during the pandemic. And this is an easy way to start to improve your gut health, improve your emotional health. And I, and many of my patients who do start to follow these whole food sort of healthy eating plan ultimately also lose weight because they just, they just, they just following healthier habits. So, and, and you're more conscious of what it is that you're taking in. Much more conscious. You're, you're planning. I can, I can also see how um, engaging your children, if they're old enough, mm-hmm. in uh, you know, just working through what you're going to be consuming, uh, yes. each of you separately and, and together, mm-hmm. that, that, that that could be a fruitful path for um, something that we, we talk a lot about on this show, and that is 
um, being explicit about your values and what yes. you care about in life and what your purpose is in life as a, as a person, as a leader, as a family member, as a citizen, mm -hmm. and that the more conscious you are of what it is that you're doing and, and really why you're doing what you're doing, mm -hmm. your values, yeah. um, it, it can be a source of inspiration and education in addition to you know, direction and guidance. So do you I have, really like that. Yeah. Do you have you suggestions know. for how families can be mm -hmm. more sort of, uh, I don't know, on common ground as they, as they yeah. deal with food? Yeah. What I, what I'd like to share with families is that depending on what the, what the makeup of your family is, you know, doing, doing some simple things involving, involving the family and helping with the food preparation. And rather than thinking it could be out of chaos, maybe assign everyone a task and you do it together as part of that meal preparation day, you know, be a good citizen in the home, just like mm -hmm. different family members might, might help have chores during when they're home to, to help out helping with the food preparation um, is actually a good idea. It makes people more aware of what they're eating. Um, it teaches, you know, younger kids how to work with fruit and vegetables or whatever is being prepared. Um, it educates them about better nutrition. It brings the family together. That's, that's certainly one thing. Another is having everyone have at least one healthy food choice for the week. So, you know, on one day that broccoli is not your favorite, that may be a day you eat less of it, but eat more of something else, but you each get to choose something that you like and try to make that be a healthy fruit or vegetable. Healthier, lower, lower glycemic uh, fruits are usually the berries. So those are always good options. And, and then the third thing is, you know, find, um, try to switch out the, the so-called treats that are on the family with some healthier options and again, involve the family in that. So, you know, one of the recipes in my book, while, while bananas are a high glycemic fruit, we're not saying we have to eat this every day, but there's a, a recipe for banana ice cream, which is really made just from soft ripe bananas and a couple of other ingredients. And you can make the flavored chocolate by using a brain healthy ingredient in dark cacao, which brings back great flavonoids to your brain. What so, is that? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? I didn't catch that. So um, extra dark chocolate or super dark cacao, which is a natural form, ah. has flavonoids, which are flavonols, which are really good for your brain. So and you could and make- that's non-dairy too, right? Uh, yes, that's non dairy. Exactly. So, asking you know, for a friend. <laughs> so, so I say to people, in fact, the recipe is written for non dairy because I like to add nut milks because nut milks can bring back some extra protein as long as you don't have a nut allergy if it needs thinning. But honestly, when you make it and whip it up um, it, and, and then and chill it, it can be uh, like a really delicious ice cream and it can be made into a chocolate flavor. So things like that bring back a, a healthy alternative, again, with the portion control. I'm not saying you have to eat it every night, but it allows for the family to start to think differently about the tub of other ice cream in the fridge versus something that you can do um, with more fruit or other natural ingredients. You're clearly passionate about food and, and mental health and uh, you know, living in a way that is... Uh, well, smart as well as joyful, and it's it's a delight to hear about it. There's a lot of people who don't have, you know, that passion or that you know capacity as you do. In fact, most people you know that struggle with, yeah. uh, you know, either economically or they're time starved and just like ah, I can't, I can't even I can't think yeah. about this. Like absolutely, how do I do this fast? And, and yeah. you know, how do I how do I get control of my my mental health through food makes sense to me. I could see how it would make me 
you know, more energetic and better able to perform better, not mm-hmm. just as a parent, but also mm-hmm. as an employee or as a boss. Mm-hmm. But I just don't have time, Dr. Uma, help. Mm-hmm. What do you so, tell them? Yeah, so, you know, I, I, we've talked about how to make food and, and the different things you and I have spoken about, but there are lots of, lots of straightforward, easy hacks, you know. For example, uh, you don't have to, because I think that um, certain uh, good good sources of um, salmon are good for omega-3 fatty acids because those are really good for your brain Mm -hmm. and hit the high notes for depression, anxiety, and a few other conditions, you know, maybe you don't have the time to prepare it or buy it. Um, You know, there are some really good canned versions. Can you make, use that as part of your salad? Can you use, you know, anchovies um, or sardines, which are also um, uh, sort of high, um, which are fatty fish, which have, are rich in omega-3s. There are other ways that you can get it. It's usually the sauce and the, the type of the canned good that you get um, that you might want to think about. Those are just easy, straightforward things that you can do. You know, if you, if you can't make hummus at home, because that's a nice um, rich source of protein as a snack to keep in the fridge for the whole family with celery sticks, Maybe you, you know, you buy those cut up and buy the hummus from the um, supermarket, mm-hmm. but at least you know that those are healthier options than, than other things you, you might be stocking right now. Um, Can you yeah. just mention briefly your, what's your take on rice? So, so uh, rice is, you know, it, 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 it is a high, G, um, high, high glycemic index food. So it, in terms of mo- eating it in moderation or smaller portions, I think that that may be the way to go. Um, if you tolerate rice and it's something you can eat, um, one of the things I've spoken about in the book, and it actually works in sushi, is that um, adding an acid uh, to the rice uh, so say you have, have it in a salad or a different form, actually lowers the glycemic index. Um, so I think, again, with rice, which is a high glycemic food, just in moderation, um, you know, try to also uh, include healthy... I can healthy eat it whole- by the quart, Dr. Uma. <laughs> just don't eat it all on one day. <laughs> oh, but why not? Too much glycemic index, it's going to... Okay. Well, it, 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 what it does is, you know, the higher glycemic foods um, do add to your glycemic load for that day, okay. and it creates an imbalance. So I'm not saying don't eat it, maybe eat it in smaller portions, um, think about what the recipe involves, and maybe add a little bit of acid to it uh, when you make it or prepare it or whatever the recipe is, and maybe, you know, I'm going to tell you, Stu, I think you should get used to cauliflower rice. Cauliflower rice? Uh, with Dr. the right Uma, spices. I thought we with... were going to be friends, but now I thought I might lose you. We're nearing I... the end of this conversation because cauliflower rice, that, I, that's, I have to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> um, no, we, we actually only have a few more minutes. And I'm wondering, uh, let's say you're an employer. Um, how can these ideas be helpful to you as you think about what you're trying to do to help your, your people at work? Well, if you're in a virtual world, um, even having some education around this type of thing, um, call me, I'm happy to talk. Uh, No, I'm I'm kidding. But, you know, seriously, having some education around um, what people could be eating because they're all home if if some companies are virtual. And if they're not and they're in the office, thinking about the break room. Um, You know, I've spoken to a lot of groups in nursing about this because nurses are part of our frontline team and Yes. Break rooms can be hazardous in terms of um, those those rich treats that people like, but if they're there all the time, then that's what we're eating on break. 
Um, so, you know, addressing things like the environment of the office and what, what people can maybe start replacing in a good way. Um, instead of the donuts that are, that are there, what can we bring in or suggest that the company gets that are healthier options for Wait, individuals? there's something wrong with donuts? <laughs> I can I can I can see I lost you at I, I lost you at cauliflower rice. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't listening after that. No, of course I wasn't. No, I, and of course I get it with respect to donuts. So what what do you think? What's a good snack room look like in thirty seconds? Sure, um, hummus. Um, you know, lots of cut veggies that are available. Some fresh fruit, uh, things like frozen berries. Um, you know, things like uh, breakfast options, you know, mm-hmm. uh, chia pudding, um, have someone in the office learn to make it, you know, maybe, maybe rotate making it, have someone do some overnight oats. You know, some people have a mini kitchen in their offices these days. It's not, it's not impossible to do those things if, if maybe there's just a, uh, uh, you know, group, group that take turns to help out. You know, um, I have a million more questions I want to ask you, almost as many as I have microbes in my gut, but we're going to have to wrap up here. Can you just give me the 10 second version of what the MK Fisher Award for Innovation is that you won? Um, it was basically uh, the, the biggest question they ask you at culinary school, which is you have to represent yourself uh, in your food on a plate. And I struggled a lot, but I had to bring together all of my identities. And um, what I did is I prepared uh, my version of an Indian wedding feast, but on a tray uh, in separate plates. And I, can, I, I brought together my different identities. So I'm part Indian, uh, but raised in South Africa and um, also love French cuisine. So I made a duck confit samosa. Um, nice. Uh, and, For and more I details made... on that, you're going to have to learn more uh, <laughs> from Dr. Uma and I do. Uh, how can people learn more about you and your, the wonderful work you're doing? Thank you. So follow me on social at D-R-U-M-A-N-A-I-D-O-O, which is my social handle. We do a lot of um, stuff on Instagram, Facebook, and elsewhere, Twitter. And uh, my website, umanaidumd.com, where we also provide information. That's wonderful. Really appreciate your taking the time to join us today and to share your wisdom. Thank you so much, Dr. Uma. Thank you, Stuart. It was a pleasure. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to tune in next week, 5 p.m. Eastern. You want to write to me, ask me a question about what we've been doing on this show. It's freeman at wharton.upenn.edu, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Our station is business radio at SiriusXM.com. And you can follow on Twitter at SXM Business. I'm at Stu Friedman. You can also visit TotalLeadership.org to learn more about uh, all the work that we're doing to help people find harmony among the different parts of their lives. Thanks, Patty Hall, for producing and our sound engineer, Dion Simpkins. I'm Stu Friedman. You've been listening to Work and Life on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 132.